It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in flesh. You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, on the hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey, Big Gretch. Hey. Throw them buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we going to take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh. Big Gretch got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretch with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw them bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the bus on her face. Cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Big Gretch. Spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys Have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC And listen well Unless you want to bid our free society Farewell There is a Super bad transmittable Contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick And social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine That lasts until July A super bad transmittable Contagious awful virus and if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docs were busy overseas with World War I. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we are asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. 
If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the lesson to July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. The Tom Summer Program.com From the Tom Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to switch gears now and talk about a new book that's coming out. It's a memoir uh, being described as a poverty to politics story um, written by State Senator Holly Thompson Rader from uh, Missouri. And she joins me by phone. Holly, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. It's exciting. Poverty to politics. Um, that's an interesting turn of phrase. Based on your background, and, and I want you to share a little bit of that so we can put it in context, um, but I wouldn't think politics would be the goal. <laughs> it, ne- it never was. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem like it would be, but but tell us how, how things started out for you. So I was raised a bit differently um, than what you do see as, as those in service today. I was raised on welfare, a single mom who struggled with mental illness, and, um, you know, she had been sexually abused for uh, her childhood, and by by many different men, and of course that that carried over into her adult life. And she had three daughters, myself, my two sisters, and you know we were raised in multiple trailer parks. I moved over thirty times from the end of my third grade to the beginning of my tenth grade. When um, I finally had to quit school, we were in a devastating car accident and. I had just turned 15. I had to quit school to help take care of my family. Um, And, you know, I found marriage as a way to get out of that lifestyle. We had had gone through many years of domestic violence, of of sexual abuse, myself and my sister, and then um, drug addiction. My sister wasn't, my older sister, two years older than me, was an addict by the time she was 16. She married her drug dealer at 16 and he was 39 I believe um but so at 15 I was high school dropout married married my boyfriend who had been living with us for just over a year on and off for over a year your boyfriend your boyfriend was 21 right right so he was considerably older than you 
Right. And he moved in with us when I was um, 13, 14 years old. And, um, and so at that point, I got pregnant several months after we got married. And, you know, I just, when my daughter was born, I was a high school dropout. I um, was 16 with a baby. And I thought, I just, this cannot be the life I give her. You described marriage as a way out. How so? You know, I am um, with my mother and and her husband. She was married five times um, and had many boyfriends in between, and, and many of them abused her, and one of them abused my sister as well. But um, the, the one that she was, married to and loved and kept going back to he was he would beat her until I didn't know she would live and I couldn't get her to stop going back to him I couldn't get her to stop letting him come back and and there was one particular moment where I was trying to save her he was running behind her with a, a knife drawn high and chasing her through the trailer park, I had ran to the next trailer park and, and used someone's phone to call the county cops. And um, they got there and they saw him do saw him coming after her with that knife and got him on the ground, got him handcuffed and in the back of the car. And as they were pulling out and the neighbors were, you know, hugging my mom and she was crying and, I just, I knew that she wasn't going to press charges, and I knew that I could no longer, I, I, I could not watch that any longer, and so I had been dating my boyfriend for over a year, and um, in Missouri, I was 14 at that time, in Missouri, at the time, once you turn 15, you could get married with one parent's signature, and so at that moment in time, I decided that you know, no matter what, I was going to have to have Mama sign those papers, and I, I, I had to get out and have my own path. I couldn't watch that anymore. Now, how how was your your husband through all of this? He was living with you, and you went to him and said, "I want to get married." And you know, was he working? Did you then get your own place? How how was he to work with? as you were trying to decide what you were going to do next? You know, he came from a family similar to mine, but a little bit worse. And um, he had spent a year in county jail. I met him the day he got out. And um, he, he didn't have a job when he was staying with us. And, and I did. I just told him, I said, Johnny, we need to get married so I can, I mean, I'm I'm done here. I can't be here anymore. And, um, and he was fine with it. He was fine. <laughs> he was fine with it. So we, um, we got married. He moved to Mississippi soon after because his mama had moved to Mississippi. And she said there was some work down in the chicken houses down there. And so he went to Mississippi. By this time, you know, I was taking care of my mama from the car accident and I couldn't go. But, um, he went down and found a job. And once she was, was good enough to take care of herself, I went down there. Did you um, 
did you have a different place to live after you got married, or did you stay at your mother's while you were looking after her? We stayed with her while I was looking after her. My intention was to leave, but then we had that car accident, and um, and so then that kind of tied my hands. I, I had not intended to quit school. I wanted to be educated. I wanted to do good for myself. I just wanted out of the house. Now, you ended up going back to school and... Uh and getting a degree, I think, right? Yes, sir. I uh, took my GED. I went to GED classes, uh-huh. and um, you know, at nights, and they they have adult GED classes. And so I would work and then take GED classes. And when I was eighteen, I believe I was I took my test and passed eighteen or nineteen. And um, not long after that, I started college classes. And um, and it took me 17 years to get my degree because I was doing it while working full-time and raising a family, but um, I was very proud to get my degree as well. When did the idea to run for the Missouri legislature come up? You know, now in Missouri, I don't know about other states, but in Missouri you have government class in 10th, 11th grade. Uh-huh. You that is an election. I didn't have that, and so I didn't. You know, the um, the the places I grew up in, we didn't talk about politics. Politics is not a part of our lives in the trailer parks. I mean, you're in survival mode. You know, that's not a part of it. But I had started working in the mailroom of a local head of a local cable company that was headquartered in my town. But they were in 13 different states. And so I started working in the mailroom, just processing the payments from all, all their other states and, and towns that they had cable in. And I worked my way up. I was there for 14 years. I worked my way up doing different jobs. My The last job that I held there was director of government affairs. So, you know, when a job would come open, I would just interview for it. And and some of them I'd get, some of them I wouldn't. But um, as director of government affairs, I started getting asked to come to Jefferson City, where Missouri's capital is, to speak on a bill that was going to affect the cable industry as a whole, but the company that I worked for. And when I got to the Capitol, I didn't have, I didn't understand government. I didn't, I, I had not studied that. You know, that was not anything that I'd been interested in. But um, getting there, I was really amazed at how how many people, I felt there was a ton of attorneys, but just listening to folks, it's like the life experience I felt was so lacking and I really just kind of looked around, and, and my husband and I had just started our own business also. And I really looked around and thought, man, these are the folks that are deciding how much taxes I have to pay and, and where that money's going to go. And so many of them just really lacked on life experience. And so that's what got me to start engaging and being more interested. More about a new memoir from State Senator Holly Thompson Rader of Missouri, straight ahead. 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about a new memoir from State Senator Holly Thompson Rader of Missouri, straight ahead. Well, one of the things that happens when you get involved in, in politics, and, and although there are more than, than two parties, primarily there are two parties that most people get connected to, um, you know, given your backstory, I would think that you would automatically become a Democrat or, or liberal in some way, yet you were described as a conservative member of the right. legislature. <laughs> I right. mean, your your backstory doesn't sound like someone that would be associated with the Republicans or conservatives. And and that is a part of my story that I think is so relevant today. And that's, you know, I watched, my mother was top of her class. I, I watched a system that was meant to help people literally hold intelligent women back from ever rising to their potential because it was too easy. You can't. Democrats and Republicans. Well, I've, I've seen situations, uh, Holly, where, uh, you know, women were uh, wanted to go out and work. They would look for a job, find someone that was willing to hire them, but the money they paid them wouldn't have covered the cost of daycare for their children that might not be in school yet. Right, and that's a problem that we, that, that is a huge problem today. And those are the type of issues that we need to be working on, a hand up and not a hand out. You know, several years ago, we worked on some, some welfare changes that I've been incredibly excited about, and that's where it has benchmarks. So you're you're on the system, you have a certain amount of time that you can be on the system, but during that time, you have to either get into volunteering or into an educational program, or if, if you already have a trade or, or a, you know, you're certified in some way or, or an education certificate, you know, you have to be out looking for a job. And then they help with, you know, daycare and, and different things, but but along with that, the department is supposed to audit those benchmarks. And so to me, I don't want to hear about the number of women or, or men who come off the system because they've timed out of their allowed time on welfare or TANF, as we now call it. I want to know that that number that actually got a certificate or found full-time employment in something that they can move up in or, you know, got a degree. Um, we all know volunteering absolutely opens doors for jobs. Holly, those, those, is, yes, is state senator the first elected office you've held? It's not. I was a state representative I for wondered. eight years. I, want, I wondered yes. if you had gone through that 
chamber first and then went to the state senate. Um, how did, in my notes, it says you were a con, you're a conservative state senator, but nowhere in my notes does it say Republican. Do you consider yourself a member of the Republican Party? I do. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and I don't know why I asked it that way, but. Very good way to ask it. We are, we are polarized within our own party. I, I think that's true, and, and that begs the question. Do you think of yourself as a traditional Republican, or are you one of the new Republicans um, or, or the, the Republicans that have become what some people call Trumpers? I'm, I'm kind of a little of both, and so I'm incredibly conservative when it comes to my policies. However, I grew up seeing a side of life that many in in the chambers have never seen. And so I have empathy and understanding that the way that we're going about things is not conducive to actually helping people in many ways. And um, regardless of your intentions, it's not it's not helping. And so, and you can see it on my social media. Certainly, I, I fight with with my own party as much as I do the Democrats because I I want so badly for folks to understand that addiction. When it comes to addiction, it's it's not somebody who is just choosing to be some drug addict laying in an alley. That's not how it is. No one in high school, when I go speak to the high schools and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nobody raises their hand and says a drug addict. You know, you have to understand do, people's past. Do they raise their hands and say state senator? <laughs> I'm teasing you a little bit there, Holly. But but getting back to this, this notion of... of the political philosophy and and whether you support Donald Trump. Do you believe that the 2020 election was rigged or is that just Trump politics? You know, I don't. I've seen, I've looked at several. I know that there were some issues with ballots and, but overall. But aren't there always there, there are, and and overall, I think that it turned out that that was. It might not have been the exact numbers, but it was. It wasn't rigged. Um, I think that it was. I, I very much support Trump, and I voted for him, and I absolutely support Trump. I think that his policies were spot on for America, and you know, being someone who couldn't afford, you know, I, I was that girl pulling up in that old beater at the, at the gas pump with my baby strapped in the back seat, you know, putting $2.50 worth of gas in so that I could get to everywhere I needed to be that day and hope to make enough tips for my next day. So I get it. Um, there are things beyond politics that matter more to people at the kitchen table, and that's more what I talk about. 
Well, and and that's important. And I think it was always intended from the very beginning of this country that it would be people who understood those everyday kitchen table issues, as you call them. And and that it wasn't going to be career politicians and, and that sort of thing. But since it has sort of become that way, doesn't your backstory, does it, well, let me ask this differently. Does it help or hurt when you're campaigning that you have the backstory you have? It helps. It really does. I'm from rural America, and the people that I speak up for are people who've never had a voice. I Do you mean, think the people that. that supported and voted for you in your various elections are people who haven't voted in elections before that? I think there are some. Now, you know, we still have such a huge population of, of folks who don't vote, and, and I absolutely identify with them. Because, because you I didn't vote until you got into politics, right? So much about it, you know. I mean, I was in survival mode. The fight that was going on on the television, heck, I didn't have cable. I mean, I didn't, I was trying to make ends meet and, and try, you know, at 16, making sure I had a place for my child to rest. And that's a different life. But Holly, is it really a different life, or are there an awful lot of people that are living that life that isn't acknowledged by, you know, corporate media and and Capitol Hill? Right, absolutely. It's a different life compared to what you you see the arguments on the news about. You know, I've I've said many times when I talk to economists and they talk about how great the economy is going. And I can't help but saying, not in my neighborhood. Right. You know, it might might be fine on Wall Street, but, you know, and it may even be okay on Main Street, but you get off on 5th or 6th Avenue, it's not going so good. Right. I mean, go, go to the ice cream plant and catch those workers getting off their shift. Ask them how it's going. Right. Ask them how the economy is. Right. Now, this book. A lot of people, especially after they start becoming successful, whether they're running businesses or successfully running for seats in the House and and later the State Senate, they usually don't want to share some of the hardships that they've faced. Why did you? You know, um, it is absolutely crazy that I am in politics. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though, Holly? It is crazy. But it's a good kind of crazy. I'm having a great time talking with you. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, I just, for years, 
you know, my daddy's told me, Holly, you need to, you need to write a book. And certainly when I was in corporate America and, you know, just talking to folks around going out to lunch together and they'd talk about, you know, what their, where their first kiss was and that kind of thing. And then I'd say, well, you know, mine was in the back of a Greyhound bus with some guy I didn't know I was 11. And they're like, what? You know, you've got to write a book. <laughs> so I, um, after being in office, and just seeing the knowledge gap between, you know, we all grow up in vacuums, I guess. I had the, the um, I was very fortunate to travel so much and to see different walks of life. And so the more it just really pressed upon my heart, because I've always been raw. I've always been honest. I mean, God has done too much for me to ever hide what he's brought me out of. And so I speak about it on the House floor. I speak about it on the Senate floor. But I really felt pressed in my spirit. You know, God's given me a microphone at this moment in time. And so I need to show the hope that everyone has. How do, you, how do your colleagues in the in the state Senate and, and back in the state House, how, how have your colleagues treated you especially when you share some of the some of the hardships and some of your backstory they're all very good you know i've had some pretty ugly debates over um syringe access programs and um prescription drug monitoring programs and things that you know others some others feel like or you know those who are drug addicts or have substance use disorder, you know, shouldn't have the the help. And and so I've, I've had some that have, have treated me not so kind, but the majority have really welcomed the understanding of what others' plot in life are. And I really do feel like we've increased the awareness of, of mental health and addiction and poverty and many things just from me sharing my story and and others questioning and, and wanting to learn more and asking me questions about okay well how is this going to affect and I'm always I mean I'm an open book and you know it's like I said it, I feel that it is absolutely crazy that I'm in this spot so I want to use it to the fullest because I don't know when God's going to pull me out <laughs> Um, are there term limits in uh, the state House and Senate seats in Missouri? Yes, sir. We have eight years in the House, which I served, eight full years, and then we have eight years in the Senate. Our terms are four years each in the Senate, where in the House they were every two years. So I, I just am finishing my second year in the Senate. Okay, so you, you've got one more term to go. And, and it's probably a little bit too soon to ask this, but do you have your eyes set beyond that in terms of I, public service? I do. I feel that I feel that I've I've not made the difference I would like to, but I do feel that I've helped those who don't have a voice have a voice, and I want to continue with that. And so I've been someone that, you know, if God's open doors, I check them out. And if they feel right, 
I move forward regardless of the risk or the, you know, the, 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 uh, how likely it is <laughs> for me to get it. But I do, I think that, that running for something in the future, the, um, above Senate, Certainly, I'm interested in. What would that be, governor or lieutenant governor, one of the one of the state agencies, like like uh, secretary of state or attorney general, or or are you interested maybe in uh, going to Washington? You know, I've looked at lieutenant governor very uh, closely, and am, am looking at that, and and would you know? I know that that's a position that you can pick. Pick something, whether it's you know recovery and and for for your your opioid response, or you know you can homelessness in your state. You can actually pick something and, and really work hard and narrow your focus and and possibly get a little bit further than what working through the legislature with with policy. So I do see that as a position that I think I could truly make a difference and be helpful to our state, but. I've thought about Congress before as well, and um, my concern with with Congress, which our congressman is absolutely fabulous and will most likely uh, be there for a while, but if he were to move on to something else, I would look at that seriously also. But I do feel in Congress it's, it's more fighting about the things that don't matter, and I'm very much a goal-oriented person. Yeah, but I think that would be a, that would be an argument to go. I, you know, I I think late at night you'd be watching, uh, um, you know, Mister Smith goes to Washington and getting all fired up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, in all seriousness, um, we're we're almost out of time, and I feel like we could talk forever about this. Is um, it's it's rare to find somebody that's that's willing to tell their dark secrets and and be honest in a way that um, that most people aren't. There's that that great joke I like to tell about the two politicians that are screaming at each other, and one says to the other, "Are you lying to me?" And he goes, "Yeah, but hear me out." <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> I thought you might get a kick out of that. Um, but, but it really is a treat to talk to you and congratulations on the release of the book, uh, the new memoir. It is called Cinder Girl and, uh, written by Missouri State Senator Holly Thompson Rader. And, uh, it is her poverty to politics story and a good one to be sure. Um, Holly, uh, thank you for spending your time with me and the listeners, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more about you, your book, and and your work in the legislature, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do. I have uh, my personal website and blog is politicsandpearls.com, <laughs> and then um, and then my political website is uh, hollyrader.com. And so information from the book can be found on uh, Politics and Pearls. And then you can also go on to Amazon and 
get it today. It's available today on audio book as well as hardcover. Well, Holly, uh, best of luck to you with the book and with your political career. And uh, by all means, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Again, I appreciate you having me on so, so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was uh, State Senator Holly Thompson Rader from Missouri and uh, the author of A Poverty to Politics Story, her memoir uh, called Cinder Girl. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride I'll see you on the other side It's not the same without you here this phone so tight And I'll whisper you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side on the other side and I'll meet you with arms open wide I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side and I'll meet you with arms open wide I'll see you on the other side
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila, tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacle that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them, also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people, and it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! From 
This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Well, I saw a car the other day, this made me turn my head. A little tiny SUV Cadillac, the bumper red. You see a caddy, should be big and wide, and roomy as you please. You can almost live inside the need for your squeeze. That ain't no Cadillac. Don't try to fool me. Give me them big wide wheels, and I'll be happy as can be. That ain't no Cadillac. It's just too small. Show me a sedan bill. Show me, baby, show me nothing at all. I'm gonna put me in the mood And when it comes to getting round You know the size is where it's at You ladies know what I'm talking about If the ride is long and that That ain't no Cadillac Don't try to fool me Give me them big white wheels And I'll be happy as a girl can be That ain't no Cadillac It's just too small Show me nothing at Gonna put me in the mood When it comes to getting around 
my elbow or up my sleeve six feet apart that is the room and I pray for the day the kids can go back to school I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, and I'm sick of what I see. Two more weeks of quarantine will be the death of me. The death of me. I risk a trip. TV and a few things more but when I get there all I can find is 16 honey buns and some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, cause I'm sick of what I see. Yeah, two more weeks of this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know, they say this is war. But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. We just lay here on the couch and watch TV. I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bat soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized as <laughs> soon as I regained consciousness. The Tom Summer Program.com.
Alexander Zajic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner. 